Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Now, I'm very excited about this series that we are starting today. Um, I'm kicking it off and then next week Jane is going to be speaking of the week after that. Um, we've got um, uh, some visitors, some guests, uh, Stephen Bex Green uh, from New Zealand. Um, they lead one, well, what is, I think, the fastest growing, one of the largest churches in New Zealand. They're going to be with us in two weeks today, so you don't want to miss that. They're amazing people and great communicators as well, so you do not want to miss that. That will be brilliant. Um, but, you know, 23 times um, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which is the books in the Bible that describe Jesus and the life of Jesus, Jesus uses this invitation, follow me. 23 times he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. It's just like, it's his go-to invitation. And with the invitation, it's a an invitation uh, to three things. It's an invitation to a life of relationship with God. And, and, and Jesus doesn't invite us into a religion where we do stuff. Jesus invites us into a relationship where we experience life with God. And, and Jesus uses um, three really big pictures um, uh, through his teaching about what this relationship can look like. One of the pictures is of a father and a son. And so you get this idea that relationship with God through Jesus is, is a relationship of embrace. It's a loving relationship. We've already sung this morning, he's a good, good father. But he also uses this picture of the sheep and the shepherd. And that sheep and the shepherd is the idea that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. It's a relationship, not just of intimate relationship, but, but it, it's also a relationship where, where he communicates with us. When we're following him, we're hearing his voice. But the other big picture Jesus uses is in John chapter 15, where he talks about the vine connected to, 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 the, to the branch. And, and so like the branch, if it's connected to the tree, then the, 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 the idea is that the Bible says that there is power flowing out of the tree to, to the branch. So, so when you think about that, Jesus invites us to a relationship where we can know his love, where we can hear his voice and where we can live in his power. But it's not only an invitation to a relationship, it's also an invitation to a journey, to a process. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody said to me, do you want to follow me somewhere? What question might I ask? Where are we going? Because we're like that, aren't we? And that's just a normal question. It's a good question. It's a fair question. Nobody asked that question. There was something about Jesus and when Jesus said, follow me, they just went with him because he's not leading us to a destination. He's leading us to a transformation. And the idea in, in following Jesus is that we will become more and more like him. And I can't believe I'm doing this, but the last time I spoke, I mentioned dogs. And now the second time I'm speaking, I'm mentioning dogs again. I don't like dogs. I've never liked dogs. My son and, his da and, and, and my daughter-in-law, they've bought a dog and I'm beginning. Something is happening on my inside. I don't know what it is. I'm fighting it. I'm resisting it in Jesus' name. But you know, there's something about dogs and dog owners, isn't there? Almost like the dog becomes like the dog owner. And just, and I love that one, a little bit of a spiritual theme there. This, uh, this one I like has to say which one is the owner and which one is the dog, okay? But there's something about, oh, that's a cute one, isn't it? Something about dogs growing up to look exactly like their owners. Oh, the cute, say the cute one. And the idea when Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation to a journey and a process where the end goal is that you and I will get to look more and more like Jesus. It's 
also an invitation to an adventure. It's an invitation, not just to a relationship, not just to a journey of transformation, but to an adventure where on earth we get to follow Jesus where Jesus is going. So that means that when, where Jesus is going, that's where we're going. It means what Jesus is speaking into, that's what we're speaking into. It's mean that, it means that where Jesus is saying, this ain't right. This isn't like heaven. And we want to bring heaven to earth. That's what Jesus came to do. So when we're following him, that's what our lives should look like. Our lives should look like that. What's important to Jesus should be important to us. So, so that means that when we see injustice and when we see pain, you know, Jesus doesn't walk by that, he walks towards it. And if we're following him, we should be walking towards it too. Jesus wants to introduce people into a relationship with him. When he sees people who are lost, who are disconnected from the Father, he doesn't walk past them, he walks towards them. That means if we're following Jesus, we should be walking towards those kind of people too. Don't tell me you're following Jesus if you're not following him where he's going. Because we're following him, where, does that make sense? Wherever he's going, that's where we're going if we say we are following Jesus. And here's the thing, regardless of what you believe, regardless of how you behave, regardless of what doubts and fears you have, every single one of us can follow Jesus today. See, here's my big idea today. You see, the key to following Jesus is not your last step, it's your next step. And I don't care whether you, follow, whether you made a step to follow Jesus 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's not your last step that's important. It's your next step. Are you following him today? And so to set it up, we want to look at a few foundations. And I've shared some of this material before. So some of you will think, oh, I've heard that before. Or I've seen that before. This is really important stuff to keep reminding ourselves about. And maybe for some of you, it's brand new. But here's the thing. The invitation to follow Jesus is for people who are not religious. Okay, let's go. Matthew chapter 9. And here we read this incredible story. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, hold that, hold that slide for a minute. Matthew is a good Jewish boy. Okay, brought up in the Jewish thing. He's a tax collector working for the enemy, the occupying power of Rome. He's extorting money out of Jewish people for the enemy. And he's the one that everyone else looks at him. This is like, this is worse than the guy that sells drugs to kids. Okay, in the Jewish concept, the Jewish mind, Matthew is worse than that. It's like the worst kind of person you could imagine because he's not only extorting money from us, he's doing it for the occupying enemy, the Romans. Jesus should look at him and says, well, your mother would be so proud of you, Matthew, wouldn't she? Look at who you've become. Jesus doesn't do that. He looks at this man and he just says, follow me. Follow me. You're okay. Follow me. You're a candidate. Shouldn't be a candidate. Let's move on. Next verse. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew, this is like, Jesus, you're really rocking my world now. Not only have you invited him to follow you, you're going to his house to eat. This guy is worse than the guy that sells drugs to kids. You're going to his house to eat. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Notice, tax collectors are so bad, they need a category all of their own. So it's not enough that we've got sinners here. We've got people worse than that, tax collectors. If you are a tax collector, you're okay. This is first century context, okay? This is not you. And here's the interesting thing is, the Pharisees are outside the house where Jesus is. 
And the Pharisees are the ones who are excluding people. Can I just say, as a church, we don't want to be, we don't want to be that church where Jesus isn't in the house. Do we? Tell you, if you want to make sure you, that Jesus is in the house, make sure you are an inclusive, not an exclusive church. So in other words, make sure our doors are always open to anybody and everybody regardless. Okay, that's messy. There's a lot of cleanup to do. There's a lot of change and transformation. We understand that. But we want to be a house where Jesus is in the house. The tax collectors were outside the house where Jesus was. We don't want to end up like that. Then it goes on. It goes on the next verse. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy you need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Listen, Jesus is saying this. Listen, there's a bunch of people out there who are not religious. And they know they've messed up. They don't even keep their own rules, let alone God's rules. They're the candidates to follow me. You see, here's the amazing thing. Religion says this, change and then join. Jesus says, join and then change. You follow me and then you'll change. And so the people that Jesus invited to follow him, many of them didn't even believe in him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't behave as they should behave. Jesus said, that's fine. Don't worry about that. You just follow me. As you follow me, I will change you. This is so, so important. The key to following is not your last step. It's your next step. But also, it's not just an invite for those who are not religious. It's also an invite for those who are not great at being religious as well. Here's, here's another story. Let's go again in, into Matthew's Gospel. Matthew 4, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Now, I want to do a little bit of context for you and I've done this before and some of you will know this, okay, but it's so important and it blesses me every time I think about it. I, I want, I want to say, the words follow me meant something to the Jewish ears that they don't mean to our ears and that's what we're going to look at. So, uh, Dan, if you could come, Jack, if you could come with me as well, Andy, Ben, Ben, uh, Will, sorry they're all men but they have to be men for this, Chris, if you could come as well, that would be great um, and I need, uh, think, think is that enough? One, two, three, four, that'll do, okay. Little round of applause for these gentlemen here, willing volunteers. If you could move up that way just a little bit, that would be great. So I want you to imagine that these are all good Jewish boys, okay? Now, how do we check that the No, we're not going to go there. No, 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 don't even go there. I know, you, it, was, it was your face made me go there. I was just looking at you, just thought, anyway. Anyway, so these are all good Jewish lads, okay? And at the age of six... The age of six, every Jewish lad, more than anything else, wanted to be a disciple of the rabbi, okay? And when you were a disciple of a rabbi, it literally meant this, that not only did you want to know what the rabbi knew, you want to go where the rabbi goes and you want to do what the rabbi does. That's what you want to do. You want to be like them, okay? So that's like, you know, like the kids who've got the picture of the Mo Salah or, or Jack Grealish or whoever else, you know, the kind of favoured people in, on the thing. They want to be like, I want to do what you do. I want to, that's the disciple and the rabbi. I don't want to just know the stuff you know here. I want to go where you go and I want to do what you do and be who you are. And so every Jewish lad would have been invited into rabbi school at the age of six. And the first kind of uh, idea about this uh, rabbi school is, is called Bates Affair. Okay, and Bates Affair means you come in at the age six 
And in the next three to four years, all these little lads, six-year-old Jewish boys, just imagine. Okay, you don't need to bend down, Ben. It's just a story. It's just an illustration. And these are all going to learn the first five books of the Old Testament. They're going to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. This is called Bates Affair. This is amazing. So then at the age 10, um, Rabbi comes back into town and he tests all these lads, okay? And he tests them all on the memory of the first five books of the Bible, which is amazing, isn't it? Can you imagine that, just learning that by the age of 10? But then you see, he says to these two guys at the end, okay, guys, you're really good guys, but you just haven't made the cut. Did you feel the empathy there towards you? It was amazing. Wasn't it? And so what we want you to do is we want you to go back to the family business, okay? You'll love God and you'll go to synagogue and you'll be good lads, but you'll go back to the family, but you haven't made the cut. But to these lads, these are the best. I know. It's really sad, isn't it? If these are the best, these are the best, okay? And they're going to go to the second stage, okay, which is called Beit Talmud. And so now between the age of 10 and 14, not only are they going to learn the Torah and keep memorizing the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, but the rest of the Jewish scriptures as well. And then Rabbi pitches back up at the age of about 14 and he tests them on all of these kind of things, okay? And then, but unfortunately to these two guys... That's not because you're both called Ben, but yeah, and Ben, you're feeling this deeply, mate, aren't you? They're basically, you just haven't made the cut, okay? Well done for sticking in there for all this time, but you haven't made it, so you go. So you head back to your family business, okay? Now, now we've got the best of the best. <laughs> Look at Jack. Now we've got the best of the best. So they go into the third level, which is called Beit Midrash. And here's the interesting thing. When the rabbi comes back into town a few years later, not only is he testing these three guys for, for their understanding of the Torah and their understanding of Hebrew Scriptures, but every rabbi has what's called a yoke. And a yoke literally means a teaching, a certain set of teaching. And the rabbi wants to know, can these guys sit at my feet? Can I spread my yoke over them? Can they go where I go? Can they do what I do? Can they be who I am or not? And so when he looks at these, these three guys here, <laughs> he looks at these three guys and he says to these two, <laughs> you were right getting into it. He says to these two, you're better than him. He says to this one here, he says to this one here, you haven't made the cut. So I'm back to your family business, okay? <laughs> I so wanted to do that to Jack. But, then, but here's the thing. Do you know what he says to these two lads who've made it? These are not just the best. These are not the best of the best. These are the best of the best of the best. Here's the amazing thing. What he says to these two lads is this. So come, follow me. Isn't that amazing? Guys, you can go. Thank you. Round of applause for the best of the best of the best. What is amazing is that if that's the context, maybe, maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there, maybe those guys who were fishermen, when the rabbi came, you see, every rabbi used to pitch up on the circuit around the age of 30. That's when they began their ministry. So here's Jesus, the new rabbi on the, on the block. And he turns up and he says to these lads, hey, come, follow me. Those are the words that are only said when you pass all the tests. And those lads say, yeah, but I failed all that test. I'm rubbish at being religious. And Jesus says, good, then you can follow me. I don't know how many of you would say you're rubbish at being religious. Maybe some of you, how many of you listen to podcasts more than you listen to radio? How many of you read Leviticus every morning before breakfast? How many of you have a, a worship song on your ringtone? Yeah, you see, we're not great 
at keeping the rule. We're not great at passing the tests. And Jesus says to you and to me, hey, you don't need to be great at being religious. You just need to follow me. And the key to following is not your last step. The key to following is your next step. What has all this got to do with you and I today? Um, these three people here. These are three young people from Ghana. And a month ago, Alison and I were uh, out in Ghana with Compassion. And Compassion is an amazing organisation that sponsors um, <laughs> two million children across the world who are in poverty. And their vision mission statement is lifting people out of poverty in Jesus' name. And, and people, many of you, ourselves included, sponsor people like this. And, and we help to lift them out of poverty with compassion and with the local church. But these three young guys had all been sponsored through the program. And we had dinner with these three guys at the end of our week. We'd been visiting three or four different projects. And then we met these three guys and we had dinner with them. And, and I was blown away by their stories. And I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Because I saw where these guys lived. I saw the conditions that they were in and they shouldn't, they, shouldn't, they, they shouldn't have been lifted out of that in the natural. And yet each one of these three, um, they got up and they gave a little presentation at the, end, at the end of the dinner. And this lad here, Mackenzie, he says, I'm at university now because Compassion the Church have helped me get to university. And I'm at university and I'm the president of the, of the student union and I want to go into politics and I want to see my nation better in Jesus' name. This girl here, Rita, who Alison and I sat and had, had, had the meal with, she, she said, I'm in TV and media and I want to be a TV presenter and I want to present better and I want to do it in Jesus' name. And this lad here, he said, I'm a leader in my local church and I'm setting up my own IT company because I want to help people and I want to do it in Jesus' name. And I looked at these three guys and I said, wow, coming from that situation, you shouldn't be lifted into this situation but that's what can happen when you say I want to follow Jesus that's why we're excited about potentially partnering with compassion so we really want to encourage you to if you do sponsor a compassion child just to go and and let the guys know afterwards we don't know any of that information nothing to do with us we just want to know how many people are doing that and where those kids are around the world so we can be a bit more intelligent about moving forward and then last weekend, I was in Albania again, and I know I shared this on Tuesday at Encounter, um, if you can go to the Yeton, and here I am with Yeton, who's the pastor of the church, and every time I see Yeton in his context, I just get blown away by the power of the gospel. You know, because actually, Yeton was born into a Muslim family, and Yeton is dark-skinned, and in Albania, there's two kinds of skin, white and black, and he's called black. He's not black by our standard, but he's black in Albania, and everybody looks down on his kind on, on his background on his culture and, and, and he's born into this this Muslim family and at the age of 14 he leaves school like most of the guys do his age you know then he's not great at being you know so he wouldn't pass any tests not great at being religious not great at being academic and yet Jesus reached him and invited him to follow him and he's doing that and so last week I got the privilege of praying with uh, his cousin called Ronaldo one of the other guys in the church is Rivaldo it's like the whole Brazilian football team. It's amazing. And, and I'm praying for Ronaldo, who was a drug addict and a drug dealer. And his heart was so open to Jesus. And then I see Yetan's father, who 18 months ago was, was so far away from God. And yet now he's standing there with his arms in his air and tears coming down his cheeks. This shouldn't happen, but it happens when you say yes to following Jesus. So I don't care what background you're from. You can follow him. I don't care what side of the track you're on. You can follow him. 
And the question is not, have you decided to follow Jesus? The question is, are you following Jesus now? Are you following Jesus today? Are you following Jesus in this moment? If you are, then you're enjoying a life of relationship with him. If you are, you know that you're in process and you're being changed. If you are, you know that your life is an adventure and you're following Jesus wherever he leads you to go. Each of us have been given a notification, an invitation to follow Jesus. And I love this quote from Andy Stanley. I love it so much. Following Jesus will make your life better and it will make you better at life. Now, it doesn't mean it will make you healthy, wealthy or happy, but it makes your life better and it will make your, you better at life. So, the key to following is not your last step, it's your next step. And I want to do something this morning and I want to say it's time to do what the Americans call DTR, define the relationship. Anyone ever been in a relationship where you've had that conversation, where are we going? I asked my wife permission to share this. I didn't share it at the first service, okay, because I hadn't got permission from her, but I have managed to get permission from her. So a few weeks ago, my wife, I think this is a brilliant story, by the way, and, and I said, I want to use that story. She said, that won't fit any sermon anywhere. I said, give me a challenge and I'm up for it, okay? So I'm believing in Jesus' name that this fits this, this part of the message. Basically, a few weeks ago, my wife went on a writing break uh, down to Torquay. She's doing a PhD at the moment, so she's got 80, 100,000 words to write. And so she went away. And now, my wife has an amazing ability to attract unusual men, obviously, as you can tell by me, okay? So she's sitting in a coffee shop, and this is no word of a lie. This happens to her all the time when she's on her own. She's sitting in a coffee shop and working away in a coffee and a man sits down in front of her and says, can I sit in this seat? And she says, yes. He's dressed as a stormtrooper. <laughs> she said, yes. Hello, wife, there's a clue. He takes off his helmet, seriously, and begins to talk to her. My wife begins to, she's a kind woman. She's trained as a psychotherapist. <laughs> she needs to be being married to me. And she, so she begins to talk to this stormtrooper. And they enter into a conversation. And then as they enter into the conversation, she tries to go back to work. He says this to her, so is our relationship going anywhere? That's what he said. He said, is there any future in it? And she said, no, which I'm grateful for. But see, it fits the, it fits the story. It fits the text. Because basically there comes a moment in every relationship where we need to define the relationship. And I wonder this morning, see how I fitted that in. I wonder this morning if Jesus is saying to you and to me, where are we at? Where are we at when it comes to following? Listen, have you said yes to following Jesus? Now you, you think, I don't believe in it all. You don't have to believe in it all. But I don't behave right. You don't have to behave right. Have you said yes to following Jesus today? You can. Maybe you've said yes to following Jesus in the past, but now you know you're not following him. You see, Peter, the interesting thing is Peter left his nets and followed him for three years. We read it earlier on. But, but then in that moment when, when, when he's about to be handed over to be crucified and Jesus said to Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter said, no way. And he does deny him three times. And then when he sees his saviour and his Lord and his rabbi crucified on the cross, on the hill, he goes back to what he knows best, which is fishing. 
And then the resurrected Jesus in John 21 comes to him and cooks him breakfast. And, uh, and even the fire reminds him of the fire from that night. And then three times he asks the question, do you love me? Which reminds him of the three denials. And it's all dramatic and powerful, intentional. And then he says, do you love me? And he says, yes, you know I love you. And then he says, so follow me. And Peter said, but he would have thought, but that's what you said at the beginning. Yep, yeah, exactly. And the question isn't your last step, it's your next step. Because you're not following me now, Peter. You need to follow me again. And he goes to follow him and they're going off in the sunset and the music's playing, I can imagine. And then he stops and he says, but what about John? What about that other guy? And Jesus says, that's none of your business. You must follow me. How many of us have stopped following Jesus because of somebody else? Because somebody else has let us down. Because somebody else has hurt us. So we've stopped following Jesus. And Jesus says, that's none of your business. You must follow me. The question isn't, have you followed him? The question is, are you following him today? If you're following him today, it means you are in a relationship with him today. It means you are knowing his presence today. It means you are hearing his voice today. It means your life is an adventure of discovery today. Let's define the relationship. And if you're following him, it means we're going to go wherever he is going. And it's going to be his schedule, not our schedule. It's going to be his mission, not our mission. Last Monday, we got on the plane. The team of us from Albania got on the plane to fly home. It had been a really busy 11 days. And for some reason, well, for, for the reason that it's only my fault, I'd allowed my diary to get completely ridiculous. Nobody else's fault, completely my fault. And so I was flying back and I was flying back into to Luton Airport. The guys were going to come home. We're getting in at midnight. I'm staying in a hotel because I've got a meeting in London the next day. Then I'm coming straight back, going to encounter, speaking the next day. Ridiculous, all my fault. So on the plane on the way back, I'm thinking I've got three hours. I have to write a couple of talks. And as we got on the plane, um, I was sat with our guys and there's one of our guys sat here next to some other people. And I thought, oh, swap with him thinking that's a kind thing to do, but also secretly thinking now I can focus three hours on writing the talks that I need to do. So I swap and I sit and, and I begin, the uh, plane begins to taxi, begins to take off. I say hello to the woman next to me who's an Albanian woman who lives in England, lived in England for years. She has her son Eric uh, by her and then her um, husband and uh, Amelia, the daughter, are sat behind. And I said, hey, do you want a couple of us to swap? And then your, your husband, no, no, she says, it's fine, it's fine. So we start talking as we take off on the runway. Three hours later, we're still talking. Had the most amazing conversation like I've had for ages. And she's interested because we were in Albania. Why would we be in Albania? And we were in Skodra, which is the city that she comes from. And we were in the blood feud. And she knew about the blood feud. And in the conversation, we talked about life. We talked about England. We talked about Albania. We also talked about the difference between religion and relationship with God. We talked about forgiveness. We talked about grace. We talked about the cross. We talked about what you can do to get your life right with Jesus. And at the end of it, she said, I'm so glad you didn't push that thing about swapping seats with my family. She says, because I knew when you sat down, I needed to talk to you. It's amazing. doesn't happen to me all the time. But it's just that moment of saying, Jesus, wherever you lead, I want to follow. And it's not about my plan. It's about yours. And I want to say, guys, that isn't just for me. That's for every single one of us. When you head out to work tomorrow, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are following him into a life of adventure and opportunity where you may get to be him to somebody else tomorrow and so I want to invite the band to come back up you see the other thing that's so important in this invitation series is that we don't just say hey Jesus has invited us to follow him that's great but if you're saying yes to that you must be saying yes 
to inviting others to follow him also. And in five weeks' time, just five weeks' time, we get an amazing opportunity to invite hundreds and hundreds of people to this place to get a look at who Jesus really is. And on your seats, you've got all of the Christmas production, the Christmas dates and seasons. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you in a moment to think and pray about who you can invite to get a look at this Jesus that you have agreed and you have responded to and that you are following. Because when we're following him, then then we're going to go where he's going. And he's always going after lost people. He's always going after disconnected people. He's always going after people who are on the outside of the house, not on the inside. And he wants to bring them into the house. That's where he's going all the time. And if we're following him, that's where we should be going also. So in a moment, we're going to give you some opportunity. We've got nearly 15 minutes now where we're going to give you some opportunity to respond. And uh, you see, the biggest question that you can ever ask yourself when you hear God's word is this. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do? What is God saying to me today and what am I going to do about it? And so you can respond by just staying where you are and by just worshipping and singing the song that the guys will lead us in. Or, or you can do something else. Maybe this morning, and this happened at the first service, hallelujah, two people gave their lives to Jesus through doing this. Brilliant. If you've never said yes to Jesus, there's a cross at the back. And there's a card and you can literally just write your name in that card. And if, and if you're happy to, if you check a box there, tick a box there, then we can connect with you and follow this up with you and give you information. But maybe this morning at the cross, you could just say, I want to follow him. And you could go and you can make that commitment today. Some of you, you say, hey, yeah, I've already done that, but I'm not following him right now. And I want to re-consecrate myself to him. There are a couple of things you can do. You can take communion. There's a communion station here. There's a communion station at the back. Or you can also come for prayer. There's a prayer space here. Maybe, maybe some of you know that you've stopped following Him. Like you were following, following, following. Chum! And it was Him. And it was her. And it was this. And it was that. And you stopped. And maybe this morning you could say, I don't want to stop. I want to pick it up again. I want to follow. I want to keep following. So you could take communion or you could receive prayer. And then there's a fourth opportunity as well. Over there, there are two stations for this. It was so popular at the first service. If there's someone in your world that you would love for them to meet Jesus, or there's someone in your world and they really need the intervention of God right now, maybe they need healing, maybe they need intervention of God, you can go and light a candle for them. Just go and light a candle. It's just your response saying, Jesus, I want, would you do something in their life? So you can do that as we sing and as we respond together. So why don't we stand? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your amazing, amazing invitation to every single one of us to follow you wherever you lead. And God, we want that to be our prayer. We want to respond to this notification. We want to respond to this invitation. We we don't want to do the maybe that you get on those invite things. Are you going yes, no, or maybe? We want to do maybe. God, we want to do yes. Jesus, I pray this morning that some of us who've ticked the no box, some of us who've ticked the maybe box, I pray God, some of us would move and we tick the yes box today and we would become followers or God, we would start following you again. And so Jesus, as we respond, God, would you fill this place with just an awareness of your spirit and your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come?
just, I just have the word disappointment in my heart, in my head right now. Some of you are so, so disappointed. You, you, you put your hope, you were looking, but you were looking at someone. And that someone has disappointed you. And a disappointment literally means a missed appointment. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And I believe Jesus wants to say to you today, stop looking at the person and start looking again at me. And so you stop following him because of the disappointment in someone else. And I think God wants to say to you today, today is the moment to stop looking at him or her and to start looking again at me. I also believe that there are some of you here and your circumstances in the past have made you think that you're never going to be worthy of following Jesus. Jesus says, listen, it was never about your worthiness anyway. It was always about my grace. When are you going to stop holding on to that? Let it go and start following me. So Jesus, I want to pray that God, as we open up now to you in in these moments, would you touch us? Would you change us? We want to encounter you, Jesus, in this space and place. In Jesus' name, Amen. So as we sing, guys, any of you that want to respond, communion, communion cross at the back, candles over there, prayer down here. Move out, respond as you want to. Let's encounter Jesus together.